most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Whoever is thirsty should come to me, and whoever believes in me should drink. As the scripture says, streams of life-giving water will pour out from his side. Jesus said this about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were going to receive. At that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not been raised to glory. Some of the people in the crowd heard him say this. This man is really the prophet! The Messiah will not come from Galilee! The scripture says that the Messiah will be a descendant of King David and will be born in Bethlehem, the town where David lived. So there was a division in the crowd because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. When the guards went back, the chief priests and Pharisees asked them, Why did you not bring him? Nobody has ever talked the way this man does. Did he fool you too? Have you ever known one of the authorities or one Pharisee to believe in him? This crowd does not know the law of Moses. So they are under God's curse. One of the Pharisees there was Nicodemus, the man who had gone to see Jesus before. According to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them and finding out what they have done. Well, are you also from Galilee? <laughs> Study the scriptures, and you will learn that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Then everyone went Well, good morning again, and uh, it's great to see you this morning. So many all the way back to the fireplace. This is winter, and uh, you're here. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the reality of winter again. We're in John chapter 7 this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible... Uh, it certainly would be helpful to take it. Uh, by the way, how many, uh, how many follow the scripture by way of your iPhone or your smartphone? How, <laughs> quite a few of you, most of you. How many of you do that in your own quiet times where you, rather than taking a hard copy, you, you just simply use your smartphone? A lot of people do that as well. I, just, I was just curious. We live in such a remarkable day uh, when we have access to so many resources, uh, and best of all, the Bible. Uh, nice to have it in the form of a hard copy, but at the same time, whether it's a hard copy or electronic, the message reaches our hearts wherever we're at. We just open our hearts to the Lord, and, uh, and the, the message of the, of the Spirit of God reaches into our hearts. Well, the outline of uh, the message this morning is not difficult to follow. It's the easiest outline I've ever had after a number of years of preaching. You won't get lost because uh, it's under three headings. The beginning, the middle, and the last. Now, you can't forget that. The beginning, the middle, and the last. Now, it's a simple outline. I'll give you uh, the rest of the words. The beginning of the feast, the middle of the feast, and the last great day of the feast. 
John chapters 5 through 10 is an interesting focus on the Jewish festivals. So the Sabbath festivals are the, is the focus in chapter 5. But in chapter 6, the focus is on the Passover festival. And this morning in chapter 7, the focus is on the Feast of Tabernacles. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Shelters. So when those words are used interchangeably, it's the same feast. Three times each year, the Jewish families were expected to travel to to Jerusalem for worship. And as they came to worship in Jerusalem, they were giving thanks for the way that God has worked in their history. And it seems to me that Jesus is intercepting these festivals. And he's adding another dimension to them. He's kind of stretching the people to say, and here's the rest of the story. Here's how God is at work in your midst today. I smiled and then I winced at this little quote from comedian Louis C.K. He says, I have a lot of beliefs and I live by none of them. That's just the way I am. They're just my beliefs. I just like believing them. I like that part. They're my little believies. They make me feel good about who I am. But if they get in the way of a thing that I really want to do, sure as Dickens, uh, I'll just do what I want to do. I'll just do what I want to do. So, So he's being a little humorous. But what makes me smile is the fact that it's so often true. It's so often true. And this is kind of the essence of the struggle in John 7. I believe, I don't believe... I I think Jesus is the Son of God. I don't really know who he is. I I don't know if I should get under the wing of the crowd. I don't know what the crowd is saying. I don't know who I should side with. And it's just a, a conflicted chapter. There's a lot of turmoil going on in this chapter. So let's go at it. Just got cut off there. Was it something I said, Tim? The beginning of the festival. The opening words to the chapter go like this. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, or tabernacles. Now, Jesus was traveling around Galilee, which is the north part of the country. Jerusalem's in the south. The north part of the country uh, is, is, uh, um, is the Galilean area. But what you have to understand as you read this is that this is Hicksville, the north. It's the sticks. People in Judea look down their noses at the unsophisticated people of Galilee. Because remember that comment from Philip in the first chapter, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, the north? And the assumption was, I doubt it. One of the reasons Jesus captures our hearts and he holds our attention is that Jesus has a place in his heart for all of us. See, he never thinks north or south. He never thinks east or west. He never looks at the color of my skin. He doesn't give the nod to Uh, educated over uneducated. He doesn't look at the size of the house 
or the model of the car and say, that's impressive. He doesn't have a preference, child or adult, male or female. He doesn't only care for people who have it all together. He has a place in his heart for all of us. So he spent time in Galilee because that's where he grew up, and he also loved the Galileans. And it was also timely to not be in Judea, in the south, because in the south they were after him. He was feeling the squeeze in Judea. His brothers were on his case. Uh, they, They said, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. I mean, who needs enemies when you have brothers like that? Can I just stop to say a little word about the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Shelters? It's helpful to think of this feast in terms of how we might celebrate Thanksgiving. Really, this is Jewish Thanksgiving. Our neighbors to the south are gearing up for Thanksgiving holiday on November 27th. We've already celebrated the season. If you've got a mixture of Americans and Canadians in your family, then you, you get to celebrate both, and that's a good thing. Specifically, the Jewish people were giving thanks for the autumn harvest of tree and vine, apples, oranges, grapes, olives. Because the fruit crop had to be protected, the farmers built temporary shelters in the field. So they made a shelter for the incoming, ingathering harvest. And it reminded them of their past when they had to put up temporary shelters when they were wandering in the wilderness. The festival of shelters or tabernacles lasted for seven days. And then there was a great climax to the day on the seventh day, on the the great day of celebration, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But as you know, the Jewish people knew how to celebrate. Many different cultures really get into their celebrations. I expect we have many people in this congregation this morning from different cultural backgrounds who really know how to celebrate. How many of you have a background where when a son or daughter gets married, you celebrate and everyone gets an invitation and this wedding might go on for days. And these, you know what I'm talking about. These are big, lavish celebrations. You know how to celebrate. Now, I'm more Scottish, English, Keep the wedding list minimal. It's our style. Easier on the pocketbook. It's not all about going broke, you know. So I know I've got to learn to loosen up a little bit and learn to celebrate. I do remember officiating at a wedding once where they spent $10,000 on red roses. And I would never celebrate that much. (laughs) Never. The Feast of of Tabernacles or Shelters was a celebration. Did you notice the response that Jesus gave to his brothers, verse 6? Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Listen to these words. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. In other words, you'll make out just fine at the Feast of Tabernacles because you're not on the front lines. 
Jesus said, you go on. I'm not going to go to the festival now because my time has not yet come. Now, there's a word here that really demands our underscoring. It's the word kairos in the Greek language. And you'll find it in the sixth verse. It is the word for time. Jesus replied, now is not the right time, kairos, for me to go. You see it again in verse 8. He says, I'm not going because my time, my kairos, has not yet come. That's a very important word for our discussion today uh, because time could have two meanings. One is chronological time. It's nearly 1045. In less than one hour in chronological time, chronos time, we will have brunch. The sermon will be over. And we will be finished and we will celebrate around the brunch tables. That is chronological time. There is a different meaning of time. It is kairos. It it means season. It means the appointed time in the purpose of God. It means the time when God acts. And Jesus knew the season of his ministry. There would come a time when he would be right at the heart of the kairos moment. The time when he would surrender to the purposes of God. To redeem a world. To die to give his life. It would be the Kairos moment of his life. It would be the appointed time. So he's been in Galilee for six months because to be in Judea would be to rush the Kairos moment. They were gunning for him there. There there was a perfect time for him to be away and there was a perfect time in which he would go again to Jerusalem. And Jesus would glorify the Father through his death. Now, this is so captivating. Jesus stayed away from Judea for six months. So the Kairos moment would finally be realized. It would be perfectly realized. And it reminds me of the saying that we have today, choose wisely which hill you decide to die on. You've heard that expression. Well, that's not a hill to die on, we say. Or that is a hill to die on. Sometimes we will face circumstances in which doing what is right necessarily involves danger. Christians all over the world, especially today, have to wrestle with with this. Knowing that if you name the name of Christ, you have danger lurking around you. Just listened yesterday on social media to the bishop, one of the bishops of Iraq. And as he was giving his very factual account, all of a sudden he broke down and tears streamed from his, his eyes. And he said, we have not been able to be worship in, in our church. For 1,500 years, we have always been able to worship in our church. But now because of ISIS, we are not able to go into the building. And it was breaking his heart. Jesus assessed the danger back in Jerusalem. He knew he had a target on his back. The religious leaders would have just loved to have him suddenly disappear, like under the radar, 
Oh, where's Jesus? Oh, we don't know. You haven't seen him around for a long time. They would have loved to have taken him out. That would have prevented any public controversy or uprising. He was just gone. He just disappeared. Ever aware of the danger, Jesus walked wisely. He stayed away for a while. And I thought, hmm, wonder what that means for any of us in the days to come. What is the Kairos moment in our lives, in our ministry? What do we stay away from for a season? What do we engage in? What is the timing? And we need wisdom, great wisdom and discernment. The Kairos moment wasn't quite there for Jesus. But it soon would be. So the beginning of the festival. Secondly, the middle of the festival. The middle section is a description of the conflict that was going on uh, at the Feast of the Tabernacles. The brothers went up to Jerusalem to the feast. The scripture says that Jesus did not go. But the Kairos moment was getting closer. There is a growing growing sense of hostility, especially in the south of the country. And the focus is all on this man, Jesus, and who he claims to be, the one he claims he has come from the Father. And so the, always the topic is, what will we do with this man, Jesus? What will we do with him? There's a lot of grumbling going on. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. And it says that no one could say anything positive about him. Kind of familiar? No one could say anything positive about him publicly because you get these awful glares from the Pharisees. So you couldn't say what you really thought. Look what happens. About midway through the festival, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And he begins to teach. He knows the season is at hand, and he knows that now he must be in Jerusalem. He trusted the Father to guard his safety until his hour, his kairos, had come. The Lord didn't adopt a fatalistic, I die when I die attitude. He knew that death awaited him. That was his mission. And he knew that the religious authorities would be the means uh, of his death. But he also recognized that nothing occurs until God permits it. Nothing occurs until God permits it. And so he continues to teach and to very relevantly speak into the issue of the festival. And he is the most fascinating person in the world to listen to. His words are powerful. And penetrating. And before long, people are saying, How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? And maybe they are saying, And beyond that, he's from Hicksville. He's from Galilee. Can anything good come out of Galilee? Where did he get all this stuff? I figured out what his problem is. Jesus' problem is that he's not ordained. 
<laughs> I'm being funny. I'm trying to be funny. He's not ordained. He shouldn't be preaching. Where does he get his authority? He hasn't been through the Baptist seminary or the Alliance seminary or the Pentecostal seminary. Who holds his credentials? You know how Jesus responds? He says, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Friends, isn't that our greatest authority? For all of us today, we don't need to be grads of a, of a seminary. I mean, if you get a chance to study, we'll take it. It's awesome. But it isn't the basis of our authority. God is. Our message is from God. Our message is authorized in his word and in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's our authority. And Jesus declares his oneness with the Father. I love this. Everything the Father says, Jesus says, I tell you. Father speaks to me something, I tell you. Father has a message for you, I tell you. My message is simply what the Father tells me. And I just think, oh Lord, help me to hear you well. Help us to hear you well. Help us to say the things you want us to say. Help us with authority to be able to say, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God is speaking into my heart. This is in alignment with the message of the gospel. This is the word of God. But friends, we live amidst a world of conspiracy, a world of conflict, a world of difference. We live in the middle of the festival with all kinds of stuff going on all around us, all kinds of turmoil, all kinds of confusion, all kinds of un, uh, uncertainty as to about Christ. The message of the good news of the gospel is not always going to find a warm reception when it's given to the world. I mean, you would think it would, because it's good news. But it doesn't work that way. It is presumptuous to think that the world is an eager, receptive vessel waiting to be filled by the presence of God. The people who live among us are asking spiritual questions today. But we are hugely divided on the person of Jesus Christ. Good man, yes. Historical figure, certainly. Is he God? Mm. You see, if I say yes to that, there are great implications. If I say, yes, he is the son of God, then I have to ask about his mission and, and his death on the cross and how it relates to me. It's a dividing question. But you know what? God is at work in our world. He's working all over this planet. He's working in Edmonton. He's working in Australia. He's working in Romania. He's working in Brazil. He's working among young adults in our city. He's working in churches. He's among us here at TCC. I love how he's working. We see evidence of his presence. There are people who have the courage to step into the light 
to discover who Christ is. There are people who resist the light. That is the world we live in. When the gospel is preached in the world, Jesus goes on trial. Everyone must choose which voice he or she will embrace. There's no middle ground. You'll hear a lot of discussion, but in the end, you must decide. You must decide. Thirdly, the last great day of the feast. Here we are, verse 37. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. A small boy was sent to bed by his father. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? No, you had your chance. Lights out. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? I told you no. If you ask again, I'll have to come up there and there will be consequences. Five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come up to see me with the consequences, can you bring me a drink of water? That kid is thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, I don't mean an average thirst where you've walked a few miles and you're thirsty. But I mean really, really thirsty where your tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth and you have to peel your lips off your teeth. And all you can think about is water. Thirst is one of the most powerful spiritual symbols in all of Scripture. As dehydration draws the whole of our physical being to a longing for water, so a spiritual void will draw our spirits into a search for deeper meaning for our lives. David, the psalmist, said, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Psalm 143, verse 6. One of the exciting moments at the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles was the water ceremony and the prayer for rain. And every day the priests would would draw water from the pool of Siloam and they would carry a golden pitcher full of the water to the temple with the high priest leading the way. And as the priests neared the temple, the shofar, the, the ram's horn, was blown, and psalms of praise and thanksgiving were sung to God for the harvest. Now, this morning, we don't have a high priest, and we don't have this golden pitcher of water, but when I sent out a call this week, does anybody have a ram's horn or a shofar? I didn't really think I'd get a response, but I did. Look at, look at, we've got one of these, and it's Rudy's. Rudy Radke, Rudy, come on up and hold this. Just come and hold it. Wasn't that amazing? And this shofar was sounded as the 
procession went through the water gates and the water was poured. Uh, Where did you get this? Uh, online. Online. Wow. <laughs> you didn't steal it from Jerusalem, did you? It's from Jerusalem. It's from Jerusalem. Wow. Can you play it? Whoa. Give us a go. Children, watch the children in your ears. Uh, Wow, give that man a hand. <laughs> Thank you. For six days, the water prayed took place every morning. And then on the seventh day, it was repeated seven times. It was more than likely that on that day, Jesus stood up. And he cried out to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And I can't help but read into the words of Jesus. Now, whether I'm right or wrong, we don't know. But the impression I get is that Jesus, knowing that his Kairos moment is at hand, is very aware that these are some of the last times he will get to tell who he really is. And my sense is that his, his heart is saying, oh, don't you see? Don't you understand? Are your eyes so blinded that you don't know that I am the one who loves you and have come for you? Why are you so hard-hearted? Why are you so resistant? I've come to quench your thirst. I've come to quench your thirst. Was he also reminding them of the Old Testament story they would have known so well when Moses struck the rock and out of the rock gushed that water that satisfied the thirst needs of the children of Israel? Jesus is saying, I can meet the deepest needs of your life. Friends, people search for so many things. Some are thirsting for significance. Some want just to feel like they're valued and loved and honored. To those, Jesus says, if you come, if you thirst, just come to me. You'll find the significance that you seek. But notice, uh, that notice how he will satisfy our deepest needs. And I, I really have to say, I hadn't really appreciated this before. This is the most beautiful part of the whole chapter. He does not say, if anyone comes unto me and drinks, I will meet his needs. Now, we know he does meet our needs. But I just think it's important to say this. It's easy to think, well, I'll just come to Christ and he'll just meet, he'll, he'll just do everything in my life. And again, he does provide for us. But what he actually says is this. Out of his heart, again, he uses the word belly, not heart. Out of his bowels, out of his innermost being, the deepest part of who we are, shall flow not just a river, but rivers of living water. The true sign of the Spirit is that you become a blessing to somebody else. Somebody else is helped through you. The true sign of the Spirit is that you become a blessing to somebody else. Your concern is to reach out to somebody else in need and help him or her. And when you do that, you find 
amazingly that your own thirst has been met. And you'll find a deep satisfaction of, of the heart. You can tell when people are coming to the Lord and quenching their thirst in Him. You see them reaching out. You see them reaching out to needy people. You see them ministering. And you know it is the Spirit of God doing what Jesus said would happen, that rivers of living water are flowing through them to meet the needs of others. So when you drink of Him, when you quench your thirst by believing and give yourself to Him, the rivers of living water start to flow. That's the evidence. That's the evidence of the Spirit really in your life. The river of life flowing out from you. It's a beautiful chapter, just too much for one setting. But if verse 38 is alive, if it's well, uh, if it's well in your heart, then you have embraced the significance and purpose of life itself. It's an old song we used to sing, and it's probably not known to most of you, but it goes this way, there's a river of life flowing out from me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. There's a river of life flowing out from me. And may that be our story, and may that be our song. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, flow out from us. Oh, that is our prayer, that you would flow out from us, that your Holy Spirit would so fill us and so touch us, and that we would be so convinced in our hearts of who you are, Lord Jesus, that we would invite you to have full sway, full control of our hearts, and Spirit of God, that you would flow out from our lives and, and allow us to be a blessing to the people around us. In Jesus' name.